Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. Westminster? Westminster? Westminster. 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 Even the guy from Michigan knows that one. Come on, dude. Come on. It's like people who call it Arvada, right? That drives me nuts. Is you ever, it you ever not, see that? Yeah, is, is it not Arvada? No, no it's Arvada, Arif. Gosh damn Arvada. it. Dang it. Gotcha. Gosh dang it. Anyway, so, sorry, that's Arif. I'm JJ. We got Patrick, of course, on the controls. And we challenged Patrick a little bit to maybe be a little bit more vocal moving forward. So, you know, enjoy the smooth listenings of Patrick's voice as well. But, Arif, let's get into it. Happy All-Star break ending, right? We took a break <laughs> a little bit of ourselves. It was, it's was it been six days since our last recording. So, you know, it was a nice little, I guess, exhale from the NHL season. I'm sure it was for the players, too. So, that being said, I don't know, Arif. What, what do you want to get into here to start the podcast? There's so much we could, being seeing as how it's been six days. Abs are back on the ice. Things are moving again. What do we get into here? Well, the Super Bowl's in like four days, so let's chat about some football. No? Oh, come on, you no? know me better than that. Right. You know me better right. than no. that. I'm just I'm just trolling you here. Olympics, men's hockey starting up without the NHLers. Is that any fun, any excitement? No? I mean, I, I watched, this morning I watched Denmark, Czechia, right? No longer the Czech yeah. Republic, Czechia. And while it was only a 2-1 game, I guess it, it was fun watching some former pros, right? You always see the guys that you remember from f- older days in the NHL, like David Krejci or um, shit. Talking about, David, can <laughs> talking about David Krejci like he played in the NHL 17 years ago. He literally just left like nine months ago. Or Mikel Bodker, right? Former Avalanche. Bodker, that was fun to see. Yes. And not only that, his team actually won and pulled up the upset against Czech Republic. So I, I, I think, had fun. I had fun watching think, the first day. I think Roman Will is playing for the Czech Republic. He had a he had a dabble of a hockey career with the Avalanche back in 1516, I think it was, or 1415 or whatever it was the hell the it was. Year, it was the same year that they did the um, the rookie camp here in Colorado when they had it over in Westminster, in Westminster at the promenade. Yeah. Yep. Because um, yep. I remember interviewing Roman Will after it and just chatting it up with him and being yeah. like, oh, what a nice guy, what a great guy. And then two weeks later, he's like, never coming back. See ya. Yeah, see you guys. See ya, freaks. So we got Roman Will playing for the Czech Republic. We got Rito Berra, I believe, playing for Switzerland, I want to say. And That's then, where he's from. So. And then, get this, Dearborn, Michigan native, Jeremy Smith, Starting golden thunder for the Chinese Olympic team. <laughs> Everything about that sent it's it's a real thing. That's Jeremy a real thing. Jeremy Smith. Jeremy Smith. Remember him from the shit season Absolutely. in sixteen seventeen? He had a little dabble and he had like a five five goals against average and a five oh save percentage, probably. He wasn't very good. A lot of the guys that I that I grew up with in Dearborn played against him in like just local rinks and stuff. And they're like, yeah, there's no reason why he should be playing in the NHL. I feel so bad for just talking shit about Jeremy Smith because it's just hilarious to me that this kid from Dearborn, Michigan named Jeremy Smith of all names. Like the it couldn't be a more bland American name than whoa, Jeremy whoa, whoa. Smith. It's a pretty pretty awesome first name if you ask Come me. On. Nah, nah. I if I had a name like Jeremy, I would shorten it to two letters and just be like, call me, you know, JJ or something like that. I think it would be a little easier just just to get away from that name. But Jeremy Smith is the starting goaler goaltender for China's national team. So there's quite a few former Avs, you know, in the Olympics. So, but you know, let's get away from that and let's talk about the real stuff here. Practice. The Avalanche have had two straight days of skating at Family Sports. We got some injury updates. We got a whole lot of things coming from the Avs heading into tomorrow's game, or today for most of you listening to this, against the defending cup champ, Tampa Bay Lightning. They're coming to town. 
Yeah, and they're going to have to do it without Nathan McKinnon, right? We've been waiting to hear kind of a timeline on what that was going to look like. A face injury is really different because it doesn't prevent you from playing hockey, but of course you want to be comfortable by the time you're coming back. I got a feeling poor Nathan McKinnon is back on the ice just trying to recover from the, this injury and just, I got to gotta go through more of this freaking crazy season, right? How many ups and downs has that guy had <laughs> in the last four months, five months, right? Yeah, he's going to actually create the next variant. That's what's going to happen with Nathan <laughs> McKinnon. It's just going to be the Nate Dog variant of COVID. It's going to start in Denver, Colorado. It's probably going to start at Family Sports with him. And then it's going to spread around the country because he just can't catch a damn break this year, man. Yeah, I think everybody kind of got excited um, on day one of the Avalanche returning to practice because he was out there in a regular sweater, right? So you're thinking, okay, maybe he's back with the team. He's back on the ice and back in full swing. But today... He's out there in a non-contact. He doesn't quite have the full shield on, but he's got a bigger visor than normal. You tend to see it when guys have a facial injury and they don't want to rock the full bu bubble, but they do need some more protection. They rock the longer visor there. So that's what I saw him wearing. So, yeah, what's your opinion? You were at practice. What are you seeing from him and, and how far until uh, we actually see him? I know the, the word out there is Sunday, but do you see that to be true? So that's, I mean, that's, there's no reason not to think that that's going to be true. That's the target date they have right now is uh, Jared said that we're targeting Sunday and I believe they're at the Dallas Stars on Sunday on the road. Uh, and that's the only game after Thursday. They don't play Friday or Saturday. So he could just miss one more game after only missing one pre or was it? No, he missed three pre uh, All-Star break. So that would be a pretty good scenario if he only ends up missing one game. Granted, it's against Tampa, but. I mean, I don't even know if it's for sure that he'll play Sunday because he's still in a non-contact. If they're going to play tomorrow, I assume they're going to fly on Saturday. So that just leaves practice Friday. And is that going to be enough to get him out of a non-contact and send him on an airplane and, you know, rush him into a game the first of two in a row against the Dallas Stars? Or are you just going to choose to wait till Tuesday when you're back at home at Ball Arena? So, you know, it's not for sure that he's playing Sunday, but Jared obviously said that's what they're targeting. Uh, he also said he wasn't cleared from his head injuries when he was asked about that. And I don't know if he just misunderstood the question because somebody in the media room asked him, has he been cleared from his head injuries? And he said, no, not yet. But I think he probably processed the question as for contact. And he meant no, because I don't think McKinnon would be in his gear and skating if he still had a head injury, which obviously is a concussion. So, um, it's up in the air right now, but he was present the entire time today, Wednesday, the second day of practice. He was on the ice the entire time. He didn't leave at any point. When the teams when the team started to do drills going up and down the ice, he was standing at center ice with Jared Bednar and the coaching staff, so he didn't partake in those, but he was there the entire time. He was on the ice. He was in his gear and in that red non-contact sweater. So it's, I mean, look, this is not terrible at all you know by all means going back to that injury when it happened feels like forever ago because of the soul star break um it looked pretty damn bad and for him to only end up granted nine days off between games helps but for him to only end up missing three games pre all-star break and only one post all-star break maybe two is not the end of the world but it just sucks for him that he just can't catch a break yeah, I mean, it's a little bit close. As we record here on Wednesday, it's a little bit close to Sunday to still kind of be unsure about it, right? But I think one thing that I keep forgetting anyway, I don't know how it is for all of you, but I keep forgetting that there was a concussion involved, right? I keep thinking it was just the facial injury and that there was, in fact, concussion symptoms throughout the whole thing. So we have to wait for that to clear. Of course, you don't want to rush him into a game 
and uh, throw him right into contact when he hasn't even been able to do it in practice, right? So it's it's going to be careful. It's, it's a really careful line they need to walk here, but I, at the same time, I feel like they're going to be taking their time. I don't anticipate Sunday being ready because it's it's already too close to Sunday to not have a for sure thing yet. Yeah, and again, that could switch on a dime. Like, we could wake up Thursday morning, hit up morning skate, and he's in a non-contact and partake. Because Jared Bednar has a very, very, you know, if it's not the playoffs, he's very strict and adamant that you got to be able to partake in a practice or morning skate of some sort without a, non, without a non-contact sweater and take contact before you enter a game. If it's the playoffs, it's a, it's a different story. So... We could very well wake up Thursday morning when you guys are listening to this. McKinnon is partaking in morning skate in a full jersey, probably skating with some of the scratches like Curtis McDermott or whoever. And then ready to go. Friday, full participant, travels with them, plays on Saturday like it or whatever, Sunday. It's a very possible scenario for him to play, but we just don't know at this point. All we know right now is we got the Tampa Bay Lightning coming to town. They are in town tomorrow, Thursday. This is a massive game. No Nathan McKinnon. I think this team will still be fine, but no Nathan McKinnon against the Tampa Bay Lightning is a pretty big deal. Did they have him the last time these two teams met up? Because if I recall, I I feel like that was right during the stretch where he was still out early December. He played because if my memory serves me correctly without doing any research on this, he scored a power play goal that night. Remember how he started the season with like one goal and God knows how many games that one goal and God knows how many games came against the Tampa Bay Lightning on the power play. So that was his one tally early in the season. And they obviously went to a shootout and they won that game. That was during that weird road trip where they sucked terribly in in Washington. And when he returned and then they played the Florida Panthers and lost and then they went into Tampa Bay and beat them. So uh, he was there for that game. I believe that was the night he scored his first goal of the season. It was his third game of the year. Didn't Val Nachushkin have a big game that night? I'm pretty sure he's the one stepping in on that top line. <laughs> and uh, now, you're, now you're trying to get me to actually have to research this game. God, for some reason, it, I JJ. for some reason I just have a memory of Val Nachushkin kind of carrying the weight that night and uh, winning the game for him. I could be completely wrong, though. But either way, I just want to get into Nishushkin. Yeah. I just leave McKinnon behind. Yeah, I just remember that Tampa Bay game. It was a shootout that ended in like the fifth or sixth round that Kale McCarr had to score to end the game. And McKinnon had three points. He had a goal and two assists that night. So that's what I do remember. He was he was a big piece of that game. And his goal should have probably been the game winner. But Tampa Bay ended up tying it late and sending it to an overtime game that eventually went to the shootout. So... You know, they did that with McKinnon, but it was also early in the season when they were inconsistent and they managed to beat Tampa. So anything could happen tomorrow. Yeah, and we know they played a pretty solid game. I mean, during the stretch that Nathan McKinnon was out the first go around. So I'm not too worried about it. Obviously, you miss him, but Val Nachushkin stepping up on that top line, I think, is going to be something fun to watch. We've seen it before, but um, again, I think he's really going to be leaned on come playoff time, right? Because he's got that big body. He's going to be able to defend against exactly kind of the stuff that's always been the Achilles heel of the Avalanche. I think that's really going to be Val Nachushkin's calling here. So I'm excited to see what he does on the top line, but of course I'm more excited to get Nathan McKinnon back and, and just see more of this team with the at least the most healthy roster that we've seen all year. Yeah, and my favorite part about Val Nachushkin's game this year, just because we're talking about you know what he's doing right now on that top line, is he's shooting the puck a hell of a lot more than he usually does. So... He's played 28 games this year. He's got 75 shots on goal. He's also going on a bit of a shooting bender. He's at 16%. He's already got 12 goals. Again, 75 shots in 28 games. So he's got almost three shots per game. Last year in 55 games, only 98 shots. So less than two shots per game. 
The year before that, in 65 games, only 113 shots with the Avs. So again, less than two shots per game. So by the time he gets to 60 shots this year, he's going to be well in the 160s, the 170s. And he had 113 and 98 in his first two years with the Avs. So he's just been, I mean, you've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen it. He's got a ton of confidence this year. He's driving to the net more than he usually does. He's putting the puck on net. You see him being a little more physical than usual for a guy with that frame. We welcome all the physicality you want to bring Val because you have a pretty damn big body that not a lot of guys can push off the puck. And, um, you know, he's doing it with only eight penalty minutes, which is something that he's known for. He doesn't take a lot of PIMS. He only had four last year and 14 the year before. And I mean, he's been a pleasant surprise, man. He's already got two power play goals. He only had one in the last two years combined. So everything this guy is doing is working for this team right now. And uh, it's coming at the right time because you know, the whole talk over the offseason was losing Don Scoyne, losing Brandon Saad and not replacing him with anybody. And is Newhook young or is he ready? We don't know. Oh, well, we also forgot we got this guy named Valerie Nachushkin on the third line that we could bump up to the second line. And he's taken full advantage of that. Of course, we don't have the access we used to, so we don't exactly know the ins and outs of the relationship between Bednar and Nachushkin. But I really get the impression that Nachushkin is kind of Jared Bednar's secret little project, right? It's just yeah. somebody he likes to spend extra hands-on time with. Because like you said, it was kind of a confidence thing that he's getting more pucks on net, right? And I 100% agree that confidence has a lot to do with it, but also coaching does too, right? Showing him the right moments. Hey, here's where you should have shot the puck. And you really have to have that positive coaching behind him, encouraging him to really build up this confidence. So yeah, great confidence from Val Nichushkin, but I also see the inner workings of Jared Bednar, right? His little kind of uh, marionettes, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, this goes back to what we've been saying for months on this podcast. He loves it here and we know he he's probably going to want to stay and maybe he'll take a couple dollars less than he will get on the open market, knowing that this coaching staff, this team, they revived his career. They helped him get to where he is and he's the one putting in the work. So, you know, not taking any credit away from mm-hmm. him, but he needed somebody to give him an opportunity. And it was a contract from the avalanche late into August of a regular summer for league men coming off of an embarrassing buyout as a somebody who's less than 26 years old, who only gets one third of his contract. And, uh, you know, he got that, he came in, he couldn't score for the first half of the season. And then he took off and the rest is history. I mean, the funny thing is about this Nichushkin kadri burakovsky line is pre-COVID, January, February of 2020, that was a line combination and it worked. And we often forget about that. Those three were together for a little while and uh, they were doing well together. They were putting up a lot of points against teams like Edmonton and Chicago. Val was going in, putting up three point nights, playing with Kadri and Burakovsky as this kind of league minimum guy who signed you know, to basically do what Jack Johnson's doing this year. And suddenly he's on the second line and putting up points. So that line has carried over to this year. They've been around for that long now and they've got the chemistry and it, you know, it's, it just, it speaks volumes to what Jared has done for this guy, the work that Val's put in and just the fact that the team took a chance on him. Yeah. And getting the, the respect of getting those first line minutes, I think says it all right. He's come so far in such a small span that he's been with Colorado. Yeah, I mean, we've seen guys like Logan O'Connor get minutes up there. We've seen JT Comfer. We've seen Kadri just go up to center the top two guys on the wing. But the fact that Jared went out of his way this time around to switch Miko to center, I mean, that says a lot about Miko and, you know, the Swiss knife that he is. But it was also an opportunity to get Val up on the top line and really bring that line together with him and Nichushkin and Landeskog, or sorry, with him and Rantan and Landeskog. So um, he deserves it. It's well-earned and, and he's taken full advantage of it. 
Right. I feel like the perception of him, especially before he got here, was that maybe he was a little lazy, right? Why Why aren't you scoring when you're putting yourself in the perfect positions? It's because you're not working hard enough. But no, he's obviously putting the work in because you don't get that recognition of being on the first line without being a hard worker in Jared Bednar's eyes. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, the, the lazy thing is what stuck out. But what we learned really quickly is it was a confidence thing. And what's the very first thing we said? He's got confidence. He's shooting the puck more and he's playing well. It took years for him to build that. And we got to remember, man, like this guy's young. He was drafted 10th overall the same year McKinnon went first overall. So he's only 26. But, you know, he's coming into his own. He was a he was a 23 year old, I want to say, when the Avalanche first brought him in or maybe 24 at the time. But uh, he's coming into his own and, and you know, all the all the power to him. He's doing a hell of a job and he's on pace for over 60 points. Like this is a guy that the last two seasons with the Avalanche didn't even hit. 30 points in either year. He had 27 and 21 and he's on pace for over 60 points this year. Like, and that's with the fact that he's missed games to injury. So, you know, shout out to Val. He, he deserves this. And again, I think he's going to stick around this summer. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I genuinely think of that line that he's the most likely to stay. I can see it. I can see it. So along with Nathan McKinnon being right around the corner from his return, we got a couple other guys, right? I mean, an eight-day break is going to give you some chance to rest and recover. You got Darren De- you got Darren Helm on his way back, as well as Jacob McDonald. So what's the latest? What's the uh, reports on those two guys? Darren Helm is going to be good to go. He's playing on that fourth line with Tyson Jost and Nicholas Obey-Kubel. Man, I love that guy. When I saw him, I was like, man, I forgot this guy's on the team. Uh, and then uh, Jacob McDonald skating in a non-contact. He's the other guy wearing red if you're at Family Sports. It's 29 and 26. Uh, he's getting close. He's not cleared for contact just yet, but he'll be there soon. And, you know, at that point, you can use him on defense. You can use him as a forward. You know, he's he's a Swiss Army knife in that way, kind of like Curtis McDermott, but he brings a little bit more skill and puck moving abilities to that line. And uh, just, you know, on the topic of Curtis McDermott, he's looking like the healthy scratch against Tampa Bay because they called up Dylan Sakura and he's playing on that line with JT Comfer and Logan O'Connor on the third line. And obviously new hooks on the second line with Kadri and Berkey. And uh, Curtis looks like unless somebody else gets hurt between now and then, he's looking like the guy to sit as the seventh defenseman slash 13th forward slash both of those right now yeah, and I'm fine with that right you don't really have anyone on Tampa Bay's roster that you really need to be worried about and have the sheriff out there and with Sakura I mean he's got a, that water bug type of game right I mean he just gives a maximum effort all the time and of course that's what he's got to do being a fringe AHL NHL player he's got to come in and bust his ass but you see it I think succeed with Dylan Sakura right you can't always come in there and give 110 percent and have things go smoothly but with Sakura he seems to have I guess the knack for playing at that pace yeah and he he was on that line with Kadri when Burakovsky was like Jared kind of took a low-key shot at him and and threw him on the fourth line and said he wasn't giving us the best chance to win and he put uh Sakura up there with Kadri and Newhook suddenly Newhook's or suddenly Kadri's playing with a rookie and this one you know journeyman AHL or NHL or kid in in Sakura and the line came together and they scored a big goal and you know in that game where he was up there so He's taken full advantage. I think this is what the Avalanche were hoping for when they had signed him, uh, is for him to be that forward that you can kind of bring into the lineup here and there and use him sporadically and and be able to use him offensively. He's not just a guy you're throwing on the fourth line to play five minutes. If he's in the lineup, he's in the top six or the top nine, 
but then when the lineup is healthy he loses a spot in the top six or nine and he's just out of the lineup and you know it's using guys to their fullest capabilities and putting Sakura on a fourth line with I don't know let's say Jost and Helm to kill penalties and and you know try to you know wear and tear on the other guys' top team top the other team's top lines excuse me is just not going to work for him so if you're not using him in a scoring role if you're not putting him on the ice with forwards that can generate offense he's not going to bring you any value and i like that they're doing that he's on that third line ahead of regulars in the lineup in helm jost and abe kubel and just to finish with Sakura, right? I mean, he's got that hunger. And last couple games we saw him play, he was knocking on the door, getting super close. I mean, playing that NHL level really elevates your game because the next game he goes to the AHL and scores a hat trick. So obviously he has that scoring ability in him. He's just got to figure out how to break that ice in the NHL. Yeah, and hey, I mean, Val Nichushkin was once a project. Maybe he will be too. Uh, you got to take advantage of the opportunities when you get them and nobody wants Nathan McKinnon out of the lineup, but him being down is what's going to give Dylan the chance to play in the top nine and, and let's see what he does with it, especially against a team like Tampa. And then finally from practice updates, I think everybody had a small heart attack when they heard Pavel Francouz wasn't on the ice, but it sounds like there was more travel issues. I mean, everybody kind of who's traveling right now are going through travel issues, right? I don't know what happened. Did Southwest just cancel his flight on him like they do to other people? Or, or what? <laughs> That's you what it sounds like. Would yep. get better no, 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 no. That's exactly what happened. He said, I was in Cancun and... Uh, <laughs> the way he explained it was just hilarious. He's like, I was in Cancun and my flight got delayed and then delayed and then delayed and then eventually canceled. So I called Jared and I talked to him and I explained what happened and I was so sorry and I was very apologetic and Jared was supportive and said, just get here tomorrow and you can practice tomorrow. So like you can tell he felt terrible about the whole thing. But uh, hey, man, speaking of Val Nichushkin and, you know, having a heart and, and, and loving Denver and wanting to stay here. How about Pavel Francouz's comments today at practice? go on so he was asked about his pending ufa status because obviously the part that we forget is on top of jack johnson and ryan murray your depth defenseman on top of the entire second line in berkey kadri and nichushkin and on top of your starting goalie in darcy kemper your other goalie is also a free agent this summer so he was asked about it and he said i love it here my family love it loves it here it's one of the best teams in the game so i wish to stay here and, uh, you know, he talked earlier before that about how him and his agent really haven't had any talks yet about contract extensions. But again, this sounds like a guy that wants to stay here. He sounds like a guy that really has found a home here. And it's very similar to Val Nichushkin because Pavel played in the 2018 Olympics, the ones that we're talking about right now. You know, Chechia, that, that was their starter back then was Pavel. And then he signs with the Avalanche. They gave him an opportunity in his late 20s to make a jump over to the to the uh, pro leagues in the in North America, started with the AHL, eventually in the NHL, and he's found a home. So he's very appreciative of this franchise, similar to what Val Nichushkin is feeling toward a team that took a chance on him, you know? So if, again, I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Darcy Kemper, but hearing Pavel talk like that is refreshing because this is a guy that kind of solidifies any goalie as, you know, a 1A, 1B uh, comb combination, whether you have a Philip Grubauer or whether you have a Darcy Kemper or, you know, even if Semyon Varlamov was still here, like Pavel's the ideal 1B tandem goalie for any of those guys and anybody would love to have him. So to hear him talk like that about Denver really shows that this place is near and dear to his heart and he loves it and, you know, he loves hanging out in Cherry Creek too. So he's, he's, it sounds like 
Pavel wants to stick around and it sounds like, you know, there's no reason not to keep him around as long as he's not asking for a ton of money. And for a guy that hasn't played much hockey in the last year and a half, I don't think he will. And that's the pickle that you run into with everything you were just saying is because with Pavel Francouz coming out with those comments, I feel like that gives Joe Sackick the green light to not necessarily lowball him, but maybe give him a little less than market value, right? He knows he's got the upper hand here. And if I'm Pavel's agent, I'm maybe like, hey, come on. I know you're a nice, innocent guy and you're just expressing your feelings, but there's a game to be played here and you're losing it for us right now. So I, I don't want the avalanche to maybe take that as, take that as a sign to, to you know not give him as much money as they should. Because then, then what? Then you risk him walking. I mean, what's, what's he worth right now? Because if you if you think about it, he signed a two year, four million dollar deal. Has been injured a ton since he signed it. Since he signed it, but let's take a look at the backup goalie in Vegas. Laurent Brossois has started thirteen games. He's nine three and two. He's got a nine oh five save percentage. He was with the Winnipeg Jets before that. He was the ideal backup for someone like Connor Hellebuck. Um, I mean, I would take Francouz over this guy any day of the week. But Brossois on the open market made two point three million over a two year deal. I believe it was four six five that he signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. So Pavel's yeah, coming I mean, off coming from Robin Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury's contract at two point. What'd you say two point four for a backup point, goalie? Yeah, two thirty five is a is a hell of a discount. Yeah, absolutely. Were- so that's what I'm saying. That's about the that's about the value of what you'll probably have to sign him for. Is you know he makes two million right now. Granted. For the first $2 million of that, he didn't play. He paid a lot of it in escrow because of COVID, but, uh, well, because of NHL owners, but um, he hasn't played a lot in this contract. So, you know, if he was healthy throughout these entire two years and putting up the numbers he is right now, yeah, you can see him. You can see him getting a Peter Morazic deal with like what the Maple Leafs just gave him three years at 3.8 or something like that. But given what's going on, I could see that Brossois contract at 235. 2.35 million over two years, or maybe two years, five million total, so two and a half a year. I could see him signing for a number around there. But again, man, it's just going to be cap gymnastics for this team. And there's a lot of hockey to be played before we got to talk about the true free agency. But hearing Pavel talk like that is great because, again, this is a guy kind of like Pavel or kind of like Valerie Nichushkin that, you know, before the Avalanche didn't really have much of an NHL career for his sake, none at all. And uh, it's nice to see that he kind of came in at the perfect time as the team was getting good and turning into this juggernaut that they now are. And that might be the saving grace for Colorado when it comes to his contract, because we know how good he is. We know the value he brings. But at the same time, he's been kept in the cupboard pretty much for the entirety of the last two years. So we still got the rest of the season for him to impress the rest of the GMs around the league, but I, I can't anticipate he can do enough for them to, I guess, overpay him enough to walk away. Yeah, I mean, if uh, Darcy Kemper goes down with an injury and Pavel Francis comes in and sends you to the third round of the Stanley Cup final, yeah, there's going to be some teams knocking on his door. The Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers are going to knock, knock, knock. Please, God, we need a starter, but we'll see. Colorado's do Oh, yes there yeah there there no you're good there i thought that was patrick i'm like someone's always singing no i was gonna say that i actually just what we've seen from Francois when he has been in i i've wondered lately about could he get a starting job you know do you think he could be the starter for a team i love this guy man well i think what he's brought most to the table is lighting a fire under darcy kemper right i mean i don't know if we can concretely say that that's exactly what's happened but i mean the coincidence 
kind of matches oh, I'm, up. Right? I'm there with you. I'm yeah. there with you. I'm 100% there with you. And so, it's kind of the same yeah. thing. It's kind of the same thing going back to the 1920 season. We saw it with Gruby, you know. Gruby signed this contract. He was split in duties with Varley. Gruby takes over late in the season. Varley walks at free agency. So now Grubauer says, hey, this is my team sharing the crease with a guy making less than a million that was playing with the American Eagles on the American Eagles, the Colorado Eagles the year before that probably wearing American Eagle. Cause he's from Russia and they love those kind of brands, you know, the Hollisters and the American yeah. Eagles. And he's sharing the crease with this guy thinking, this is my team. Now, you know, the avalanche traded for me. They got rid of their starter and Varley who's been around for nearly eight or nine years. And this is my team. And then in comes this guy named Pavel Francouz. That's like five foot, nothing catches with the opposite hand putting up better numbers than him and then suddenly taking the crease away granted Gruby got injured taking the crease away from him in the bubble playoffs against Dallas coming into the following year now Gruby's in a contract year and he's like okay I need to play my ass off because this guy's going to be on my tail we all saw what happened with Pavel getting injured but he tends to do that he pushes your starter to be better than they should be and we saw the same thing with Darcy Darcy wasn't going to lose the crease to Jonas Johansson but once Pavel got healthy, Darcy's like, oh, shit, they'll play this guy if I don't get my shit together. <laughs> like there's it's a far different scenario. And you're absolutely spot on. Like this is a guy that can get a starting gig in the NHL. This is a guy that's still he's only 31 years old. It's the same age as Darcy Kemper. And for goalies, that's still young. You can see a 33 year old signing a three year deal to be a starter. You can see a 32 year old signing a four, a four year deal to be a starter. So, you know, if he does sign another deal with the Avs and it's only one or two years, and he does well in those one or two years, he could very much get a starting gig somewhere else, if not this summer. Well, I guess there's a balance there. We want to see Frankie play well, but not too well. Not right? too good. He's not just got to stay here. Yeah, just you know, be, be our security blanket to Darcy Kemper, whoever the hell is going to be the starter in Denver next year. Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland have a lot of decisions to make. I wish I could see the odds on that. That'd be uh, some fun names to throw around and see the numbers. I, I doubt anybody in Vegas is... Putting those odds together, though, but we do have the big game right around the corner. I love saying the big game because it's such a cheesy dance around saying the Super Bowl, right? But the big game, the moment we've all been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer. Bet on Super Bowl 56 props instead. DraftKings Sportsbook offers a wide range of props throughout the big game. Take your shot at winning cash by predicting props like if a non-quarterback will throw a pass, fourth down conversions, total yardage, and so much more. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Shout out to DraftKings. You know, we like them here. We use them. We're big fans of uh, the app. But I must say, honestly, that the moment I've been waiting for since September is not coming this weekend. It's still about three months away when the NHL playoffs get going, Arif. The playoffs? Talking about playoffs? Yeah, that's in May this year. I cannot wait. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's move on with the show here. Let's start looking at this Tampa Bay game that we've been talking up 
so much since this podcast started because A, we're excited. B, it's just a great way to get the litmus test going, right? I know people kind of get tired of that. Oh, yeah, last year they won the cup. They won the cup before that. So that means this is how you measure yourself against a Stanley Cup winner. I don't necessarily buy too much into that theory, but it is good to see you know, a team that has what it takes up against another team that you think has what it takes and compare them accordingly. I mean, my favorite part about comparing them is Jared Bednar has been doing it since training camp. He talks openly since training camp about learning from John Cooper, learning about what the Tampa Bay Lightning are doing. How do we mimic what they're doing? How do we take what they're doing and apply it to our team? Like, this isn't a made-up thing where it's like, oh, the defending cup champs are in town. We got to learn from them. No, like Jared legitimately wants to learn from that team and what they're doing. And and I think that's great because, I mean, they've won two cups in a row. There's there's not a lot of places you can look that you can learn a lot from, like the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. And if you look at the construction of the two teams, it's it's pretty similar. So I like the fact that the Avalanche are leaning on the Lightning as that as that team to look up to. I think the biggest similarity you can draw is just that. The mindset and I guess the modernization that the that both of these coaches use, right? Jared Bednar and John Cooper are kind of known for being players coaches, but they're also known for thinking about things a little bit differently than you would be used to from, say, a Rick Bonus or a Barry Trotz, somebody who's a little bit more old school, right? So you see it, you see it starting to sweep the league. And I don't know if you got the chance to see those uh, ESPN Plus little Stanley Cup shows i forget what they call them but the you know when hbo yeah, did the 24 yeah, 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 yeah. 7s yep espn they did, did the stanley year. cup and they start both last year and the year before with an interview with john cooper and you just get a little taste of what goes on inside of that guy's mind and it's just so much deeper so much more intricate than you can ever realize you get the exact same vibe when you hear Jared Bednar talk about his team right the things he thinks about are so much deeper and so much more detailed than we initially realize and he helps us kind of see the game the way he does. Yeah, and I think the like the the craziest thing about it is um not only are their coaching styles a lot more, you know, progressive, I think is the best word to use. That's the because, word I was looking for. Yeah, these these are two guys that are sorry I'm they're, dumb. No, 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 you're good. They're they're very progressive minded coaches. They're again, and this goes back to I mean, I know John Cooper is the longest tenured coach in the NHL right now. I think Jared's like fourth behind him and Blaschel and Mike Sullivan. Uh, the crazy thing is like going back to this earlier in the season when people were talking about calling for Jared's head and he's in over his head and we should fire him and whatever. I'm like literally other NHL teams would fire their coach. Like unless you're the Tampa Bay Lightning or maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins, like every other team would literally look at openly firing their coach to hire Jared Bender. And that includes the team that Jeff Blaschel coaches right now, the Detroit Red Wings. Like you don't let a guy like that go, but it's not just that they're progressive coaches. It's that their, their, their teams are structured pretty similarly. Like they, they coach in a very similar fashion, but when you look at the way their teams are structured, looking at the Tampa Bay forwards, you know, at the top of the list, you're going to have Kucherov, Stamkos and Point. Those are the three guys they're running with. Those are the guys under contract for a lot for a bunch of years. You know, Stamkos only has two more after this, but he got a long term deal. You know, that is kind of halfway through right now. That's the equivalent of your Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen. Granted, McKinnon needs a new deal soon. Then you have your like next level of forward, the Sorellis and Palats and Kalorn and those guys, and that's the equivalent of your Burakovskis and Kadri's and Nachushkins. Eventually, you had at one point Donskoy, and then you got those veterans on the lower lines, the Comfers and the uh, you know the 
not necessarily just veterans, but the Confers and Helms and Jose and O'Connors that play a more rugged style game. You know, Tampa Bay obviously had that badass third line with Gord, Goudreau, and Coleman. I'd but call now them role it's players. Yeah, exactly. Now it's your Perry. Now it's your Patrick Maroon, our old friend, Pierre Edward Belmar. Like all of those guys are signed through this upcoming season as well. Um, and then on defense, Victor Hedman. I mean, we got a guy like that here. It's Kale McCarr. Ryan McDonough, that perfect complimentary piece. I mean, there's a kid named Devon Taves that reminds me of him. Mikhail Sergachev, the best comparison to him is the next guy that's on your list. The young, the young man in, uh, what's his name? Sam Gerard. And then you got Cal foot kind of coming through the system, similar to Bo Byram. Granted, I think Byram's ceiling is a hell of a lot higher. And then you got guys like Jan Ruta and Eric Chernock that are playing on the third pair, you know, more role players. And then you got a goalie in Vasilevsky, which is about the one spot that the avalanche don't have. Tampa Bay's got a goalie that they can rely on every single night. The Avalanche have had tandem goalies pretty much since Patrick Wall retired. Like even Varley, the years he was here was more tandem with, with Jiggy and those guys, but they're very similar teams in terms of how they're structured. They have their three forwards and their one defenseman that they've run with. They've given them a lot of money and then we're just going to plug and play because those Palats and Kalorns and Coleman's and Gord's and all those guys, they're fine letting those guys come and go, you know, Kalorn is still here. Palat's a free agent this summer. Who knows where he goes? But that's similar to the Avalanche. Donskoy has already left. Saad has already left. Burakovsky, Kadri, Nichushkin. You got some decisions to make here. JT Comfort, you got a decision to make there. Tyson Jost, you got a decision to make. Obviously, with those last two, it's more of a trade rather than a free agency thing. But the teams are structured pretty similarly. The coaches are both progressive. And man, it's going to be a fun game on Thursday, with or without Nathan McKinnon. That is going to be a must-watch game, and I hope the teams don't come out kind of rusty out of the All-Star break. I hope they come out and really have a great game. Yeah, I think Tampa Bay has an X factor, though, right? He's been in and out of the lineup. Kuch. Nikita Kucherov. He's been kind of making his way back and getting back in the full swing of things. All reports out of Tampa Bay are that he's ready to go for this Colorado game and back on the top power play line. So. He's a weapon, right? I mean, he's he's absolutely unreal. But some people will argue that he's the third best player on that team. So um, I think he's always a treat to watch, but it depends what version I, of him you get. I assume you mean behind the goalie and the defenseman. Right. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, that's. it's hard to really debate that. I mean, we're going to have a debate in a few years of if Kel McCarr is better than Nathan McKinnon. Like, that's a thing that could very well happen. But he is their best forward. Um, and the crazy thing is when you look at, I know we're talking about Nathan McKinnon can't really catch a break and all that, but he's fifth in the NHL in points per game. He's got 43 points in 31 games. This is the best average of his career. He's at a one, three, nine points per game, fourth place, Connor McDavid, third place, Nazem Kadri, second place, Leon Dreisaitl. These guys have all played 30 and 40 games sitting in first place is Nikita Kucherov. He's only played 11 games, but he's got five goals and 12 assists. So he's at a one five, five points per game. I know it's a smaller sample size, but he's got 17 points in 11 games. And these are the only 11 regular season games he's played since the COVID pause of March, 2020. And he's got 17 points in them. Like he's, he's incredible. Oh man. He's going to be a treat to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game now that he's here. I mean, you rarely get to see him healthy in the regular season, right? And he's just such a weapon that they have that, I don't know. Uh, every once in a while, an opponent comes in where they have one guy that I'm just excited to watch. Right? I, I was kind of like that with Florida recently. I was getting all excited to see Jumbo Joe, and you're like, "What? What? What's so special about Jumbo Joe?" I'm like, "This might be the last time we see him. Who knows?" And I don't know. I get giddy about players coming in. Those superstars like Nikita Kucherov yeah. sometimes. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember in 2012, the Red Wings were, uh, it was actually coincidentally the Avalanche's 18 game home winning streak that just ended. They were chasing the Red Wings as of 23 or 24 straight games or whatever. The 18th or 19th, somewhere along there, straight game that the Red Wings won at Joe Louis Arena back in 2011-12, they were playing the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't go, I mean, I, I was a broke-ass kid. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I barely went to Avalanche Red Wing games, let alone going out of my way to buy tickets to see another team play the Red Wings or to see another, you know, any other two teams play that in of all the Avalanche. But I went out of my way in 11-12 to get a ticket to that game against the Philadelphia Flyers because Yarmer Yager came back to the NHL. He was playing on the top line with Claude Giroux and with uh, Scott Hartnell, I believe it was. And I said, man, Yager is 39 or 40. He's probably not going to be around for much longer. Let me go catch him. And he played another five years after that freaking old man. So, you know, I get it. Like, it's, it's a, it really is a thing. Kucherov is one of those guys. Did you get the chance to see last Wednesday as they were heading into the All-Star break, Yamir Yager joined the guys on TNT on their Wednesday night hockey on TNT and had a little kind of Zoom interview. And in that Zoom interview, he kind of said, this is really what stood out to me too. He says that the games now and the way the NHL is played now is a lot like the way they used to play All-Star games. And I first my mouth dropped, right? Because we remember the 12 to 14 all-Star game that was here in Colorado in 2001. That had zero defense in it. There's zero physicality. So, But I get where he's getting at. It was just the funny run to me. The skill, the pure skill. Right, right. I, I, it was just funny to me to hear his opinion on that. And I don't know, to compare it to the way they played All-Star games was a bit harsh. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing I think what he's trying to say there is players aren't afraid to use their skill. You know, when you go into the All-Star game and you're doing all these funky dangles like yeah this shit doesn't matter let me try you're not dumping and chasing and putting the puck in the corner and going after it and really battling along the boards and in between the hash marks and or in the crease or whatever like that's the old style nhl that these new players are like yeah no we'll do that in the game we'll do it in a regular season game how about that how about i do a hail mary lacrosse pass from behind the net to in front of the net and you bat it out of the air for the game winning goal let's do that how about we try like it's such and i kind of get where he's coming from it's such a different feel now where players are doing the things that these veterans used to do in their all-star games players are like yeah we'll, we'll try that in a regular season game what do you do let's do it yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I still feel if he thinks he has that skill, then he would be able to hang in this NHL, right? Because that's what he was saying is he doesn't like to – he doesn't think he can play in this NHL because it's completely different. It's so much skill. It's like he used to do in the All-Star game. I don't think you just lose your skill. You might lose your strength. You might lose your speed. But I feel like those hands stay with you. I don't know. I I, I just want to I just want to be convinced that he could still play in the NHL. Mm. That's all I'm trying to do. He would be in a Joe Thornton type of role and probably playing a little bit less minutes and having a little bit of that NBA style load management going on. But I, I, I don't doubt it, man. The, the guy's he's a legend. So with that, let's, uh, you know, transfer over to the All-Star game that just was. Let's get your thoughts on it. I, I don't know if you got the chance to hear, but I vented on the hockey show last weekend with me and Ryan. And I just let the All-Star skills competition have it because I was so disappointed in the whole product. What did you think of the skills competition? Tell tell me more. Tell me more about this uh, venting and being disappointed. Go for it. Oh, I mean, you're just going to have to listen to it because it was very organic. It was natural. I think I was in a little bit of a grumpy mood that day, too, so the anger was just flowing through me. Go ahead and check it out. All podcast providers have it. The Hockey Show, J.J. Jerez, Ryan Bolding. It might depress you, so make sure you got an upper 
or some sort of beverage with you, maybe even from Total Beverage if you can. But yeah, I was down on it. I just think it was, I understand that it's a product mainly for kids, right? And I know it's not meant to be truly what it is, but if they were to embrace the skills competition and maybe take it a little bit seriously, the players that is, I think they could have a really strong product on their hands, but you always have the... I don't know, the mentality from some guys and a different mentality from others that's, you know, the the, the too cool for school kid, right? And you kind of get that vibe from the uh, players sometimes. There's the guys that are like, oh, man, I'm just here to have fun. I'm not going to no, try no, that no, hard. No, no, no. I'm not here to win. I don't care. I like what you're saying, but I don't think it's a too cool for school kind of kid. I think it's a uh, too humble and hockey logo on the front rather than the name on the back. Like, let's look at Kale McCarr. Great player, great teammate. The guy cannot take a compliment for his life. Kill, you scored two goals. Yeah, I'm just happy we won. Kill, you just scored the most beautiful overtime goal ever. Yeah, I'm just happy it was a game winner and we were able to win the game. I got a little team, lucky. Like, it got it got a little lucky. Yeah, Mister, I'm not going to score two goals every game and then went out the very next game and scored two goals again for the second time in his career. Like, that's the kind of guy that you know was at the All Star game. That like, come on, man, like. If Kel McCarr went a little harder on that skate, he could have beaten Kairou, in my opinion. But what you're seeing, I think there's a bit of a transitional shift, and it's slowly there. And I saw a little bit in this All-Star game in the skills competition where they're taking it more seriously. They are. It wasn't completely there just yet, but it's getting there. Someone like Nazem Kadri, you know he takes this stuff seriously. You know, granted, he was only in one event and it was the blackjack one, which was a lot of fun. But the funniest thing about that event with those guys that were mic'd up, they were kind of chirping each other a little bit. And it was fun to hear Stamco say how he's freezing his ass off and he just wants to get back. I've been in Florida for the last 15 years and I just want to get back inside because it's cold. But uh, the funniest thing about that event, the blackjack one, was the fact that every single player hit 21. Right. Like they're, they they put up these As things. It's surprising put up, to anybody, though. No, no, no. But the funny thing is, it is surprising because it's like my favorite thing. I have a theory. Before every single event, you got to have a regular guy like you or me. You know, I can skate, but I don't play drop in hockey. You know, I have the equipment, but I can skate, but I don't play drop in hockey. You play drop in, you play beer league, but you're not a pro by any means. Before every event, they need to have a regular guy do it. Like, I'm a runner. I can run 100 miles, 200 miles a week. I can run 20 miles on any given night. Put me on skates and tell me to skate a lap. Those 13 and a half that Kairou and Makar and McDavid and all these guys are hitting, I'm not going to do it in less than 25. You know, the, the hardest shot competition, I would think I have some strength in me. I don't even think I could put 80 miles per hour on that thing. Like, so throw in an a, average Joe for reference. Throw in an average Joe for reference, especially in an event like Blackjack, like that one where they were like, you know, I think the organizers were like, holy shit, we made these targets bigger than we should have because these guys yeah, are incredible. I felt like I could have hit those targets, though. They were huge. They were like two and a half by four feet. Like, the, I think they should have been a little bit further and a little bit smaller. That's the thing. Huge. But yeah, but when it comes to the other events, so like the, the the breakaway challenge, that went away for six years because players didn't want to embrace, you know, that personality and coming out and and really, uh, you know, showing some personality and, you know, doing flashy things. Like Kale McCart wasn't in that for a reason. He's that type of player. He's got that to the T and I'm not bashing Kale McCart. This is the game of hockey. This is the personality that you have for most of these players. 
But then you have a kid like Trevor Zegras, who they flew in specifically for this, who practiced it before doing it and pulled off an incredible move. Like he was blindfolded. He had the puck on his stick and he waves it back and forth. Yeah, the dodgeball thing was funny. They threw dodgeballs at him, but it was very last second. But he still scored the goal. Like it was really nice for Jack Hughes to come out and do this whole like abracadabra i got a kid in a box thing and then like to show that personality and him and the kid both throw the stick into the crowd like that's the shit you want to see kale mccarr needed to play on that goal that he scored against kirby doc against mark andre Fleury. like you need to have fun with things like that you gotta do that that's the personality that's got to come out austin matthews we've seen him come out with personality and it's funny how every kid i've mentioned jack hughes austin matthews trevor zegris it's the young american kids that are like let's come out and bring some personality to this game of good old canadian boys that are just humble and you know all about the team all the time and it's it's getting there the hardest shot competition only four or five guys were in it because nobody wants to get embarrassed like who gives a shit if, if you're kale mccarr and you can hit a slap shot go hit another slap shot yeah you might get 95 you might get 94 you might be last i don't know i don't know how hard kale mccarr's slap shot is but just go have fun with it so it's kind of there uh, some parts of it you can see that next generation of player coming in really taking it seriously going above and beyond to to show their personality and their pizzazz and then on the other half you have you know regular veteran that's like eh, whatever like Zidane Chara, re- you know turned down the request of the NHL to come show up and partake in the hardest shot competition Man, I wish he came. And I I don't want to say, you know, I'm not going to bash him because he's an older guy and he's got a family and it's COVID and he's tired. It's midseason. But you got to come out. You got to take one for the team. Show that personality. Come out and school these kids. Adam Pellick and Victor Hedman shooting 102s. Get the hell out of my face. I'll hit a 110 on you and I'm 45. I'm with you. I, I, I definitely hear your point about the personalities. I think they can do it a little bit better, right? Like you're saying, Zegras had a really sick move, maybe one of the sickest we've ever seen in this competition, and he still doesn't even win. If anything, it kind of, you know, it, he was a victim to poor judging. And, you know, one guy, did, the, I, I had a big problem with the tight end of the Raiders being one of the judges on that goal, right? I mean, the, the Zegras yeah. move, he makes it look so smooth and so slick that the guy, the tight end dude gave him an eight. Because he has no idea what he just saw. It's not just that. It's they like when it like let's use the NBA as a reference. The dunk competition is the highlight event. And that is an arbitrary award because it has requires judges. You know, a hardest shot. It's very easy to just see who has the hardest shot. You have a recorder. It shows the times and you're good. But for the breakaway challenge, similar to the dunk competition, it's an arbitrary award. You have random people giving random grades but you got to take it seriously the dunk competition is a legitimate thing the nba has been living in the shadows of what vince freaking carter did 25 years ago i think it was 21 years ago for two decades and the nhl doesn't have that with this competition but then you have a kid like trevor zegris who's 20 years old who flies across the country for this all-star game no not across the country from california to <laughs> california to nevada he basically walked there um you know no nerves no stress, no anxiety, comes in, pulls off this badass move, and then John Hamm is throwing up a fake 19 for Petrangelo to do whatever the fuck he did over there with the missed drummers. The and he, he he missed the net. Like, I, I could understand if you did, like, this whole thing and scored. Like, Jack Hughes, if he does this whole thing and then misses the net, him and this little kid, you just look like an idiot, which is what happened with Petrangelo. Like, okay, we understand you tried, but you shouldn't win the event for that just because you're the home guy. 
Like that was stupid. Yep. That should have been Trevor Zegras's event. Let the NHL take it a little more seriously. So the player, like, why would Trevor Zegras go out of his way to practice this thing that looks like a kid in his driveway did it, and then fly to Nevada when you have a break from your schedule as a twenty-year-old? When you know he'd and rather partake be in this thing. When you know he'd rather be chilling and surfing with Paul Correa in Anaheim. But you fly across to Nevada, you partake in this event, you do this badass move that's all over Twitter, and the NHL doesn't take it seriously enough to give you the win. Why would you do it again? So there's there's a give and take here. Everybody has to take it more seriously. But what we saw in those younger guys like Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegras is, is players want to show more personality, and you're going to start to see more of that. And I know I kind of made the joke about Canadians. I'm Canadian. I'm not bashing on them. But Alex Newhook is Canadian. He seems like the kind of kid that would embrace that kind of moment. I mean, we all saw him at the All Star Game with this group of friends, all rowdy, like rowdy, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, at not the All Star Game at the draft, like just kind of cheering him on when he got drafted, like newfies, the newfies, yeah, like Newhook would come in and, and embrace the moment. I could see that very much being a thing. So, you know, maybe even Bowen Byram someday, if you know, if if he's back and ready to rock and roll soon. So, you gotta have a give and take. The players gotta take it seriously, but so does the NHL. Let the judges take it seriously. Make this event what it should be. But what I saw this year was a step in the right direction. They got away from all this bullshit technology, ruining the hardest shot, ruining the, not the hardest shot, the accuracy shooting with the stupid dumbass LED thing that wouldn't even work in St. Louis a couple years ago where players were hitting it and it wasn't lighting up. Um, They got away from that. They got back to the styrofoam. They brought back the uh, breakaway challenge. I say you should bring back the draft. Let the drunk players go up there and draft each other again. And Alex Ovechkin taking a picture of Phil Kessel being the last guy. Bring more of that. And he wins a Toyota Camry. And he wins a Toyota Camry that he just like throws in the Atlantic Ocean. He's like, I don't give a shit about this. Toronto pays me $1 million to not play for them. And Coyotes pay me six point eight to play for them. Like, he's fine. And um, I think that's all nice and well. But also, my last one issue with the All-Star Game is, can we get pucks that already light up before the players need to whack at them. Like that was so silly to have to see the player be like whack. And then sometimes it would work and they're like whack, whack, whack. Like the thing on the Bellagio fountain was badass as hell. I was impressed by that event. They should have done a little bit better with the camera work and showing upper view. So you can see exactly where they're shooting it, but the skill it takes to do what they did in that event. And then to have Jocelyn Lemru come in and just, you know, do what she did in 16 seconds and, totally mopped the floor with Eberly and Giroux and these other guys was really, really cool. But some of these guys were losing time because they would hit the puck once and it wouldn't work. Like they're on a time crunch and they got to go out of their way to like whack this puck. Like it's a knife, like just boom, just to turn it on. Like, can we just hire like an intern, just hire a puck guy to be like, whack, here you go, Giroux, whack, here you go. Like, what are we doing? So it was cool. It was fun. I get it. I'm going to go back and listen to your rant. Uh, I liked some parts. I didn't like other parts. It's going to Sunrise, Florida the next year. You and I are going to be there too. Hell yeah, we're going. And it's going to get better. I think the NHL is doing the right thing with this and really empowering these kids to show some personality. Right. I don't know about you, but I really like dig the surfer vibe I get from Hughes <laughs> and Zegras. I think they just really got to give those two a mic. Maybe even let them call the next All-Star yeah. game, right? Just having those two guys on a microphone talking together would be hilarious. Uh, yeah, there you see Nathan McKinnon with a totally tubular and righteous <laughs> pass there. Oh, my. There was, there was that video of Trevor Zegras was sitting with uh, Debrinkit and Hughes, I think, and they were all chuckling and laughing about something. And uh, Zegras literally looked like an emoji. Like, he wasn't a real person. He was an actual, like, 
emoticon just like smiling and laughing he looked like the one with like the tears ah, ha, ha, ha. like it, he literally looked like that um but with the all-star game itself i definitely felt like they were trying a little bit more right i feel like nazim kadri definitely brought a competitive vibe to it i loved having him mic mic'd up and hearing him trying to make friends with all of his teammates but i feel like he genuinely cares he genuinely wants to win and as a result you saw the central division get their first victory ever in an all-star game in this format yeah, well, yeah, they. I know they. They always used to lose in the first round and piss off right away. But no, that was cool to see. And I think what Nazem said after the game, how the Metropolitan Division came out and really like had a hunger to win, he was taken aback by that, which was pretty cool. Like players want to win these things, which is nice to see. You know, it's the bonus, it's the tournament, it's the competition f- vibe that comes with it. You know, excuse me. That that's something that you kind of got to take toward the uh, the skills competition as well. Like when everybody goes through the hardest shot once. Take the top two winners and let them go for a second round. Like that adds competition. That makes it more fun and more exciting and, you know, something to be a part of. So I think it's the fact that it's a little bit of a tournament tree, a bracket is what makes these players just feel more competitive. Or maybe I'm just talking out of my ass and it's the fact that you get a million dollars at the at the finish line. If you win the thing and they're just like, fuck it, let's make some money to buy my mom a new car. Like, you don't know what it is, but... Um, my favorite part about it was Jared said, I'm going to start my, uh, three Colorado. I mean, my, my two Colorado guys and our captain, <laughs> Joe Pavelski and uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Kadri's out here making friends with Pavelski, but then they play the metropolitan division. Claude Giroux takes over the game, wins the MVP and kind of, you know, has that look of like Pavelski's the guy you're looking at. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm the one you want first. So a little bit of competition there between Drew and Pavelski of pick me, pick me, Avalanche. Let me help you win the... I'm just kidding, but you know. I like where you're going with that. I like where your head's at. Um, let's take a quick second to uh, get this Total Beverage read in here. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, right. Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that they deliver? Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton on Sheridan or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself, or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Arif, I know... We basically have come to the end of our avalanche conversation, and I know how much you love talking NHL. So let's fill these last few minutes with these yes. NHL conversations rather than cutting it off here, cutting it off short. I'm going to give you your fix here. So let's go around the NHL and let's talk about some of the biggest talking points that there are. I'm going to let you drive this one here. All right. So people are pissed off coming out of the All-Star break because uh, Brad Marchand and Marcus Felino are probably both going to get suspended by the time you listen to this. And um, did you see the Marshawn videos from yesterday? Absolutely. That he he's sometimes did he someone, just loses his mind. I don't know did, something. Did, his wires okay. cross and just did, loses it. Did someone like piss in his cereal or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Here's the funny thing. Like, I saw the video earlier in the day where he Tristan Jari. They're in Boston. Tristan Jari, the goaltender on the other team for the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, puts a puck on a stick. He's about to pass it to what looks like a Bruins fan. And Marshawn just comes by and goes, whack, nope, my my arena, my puck, go fuck yourself. Like, you're not doing this here. And I was like, ah, look at Marshawn trolling the other goalie, trying to throw him off his game. And then later on in the game, he's, you know, in the middle of a scrum, he's whacking a stick at the goalie. He's punching him while walking by in the crease. Like, what did Jari do to Marshawn? 
I I don't know what happened there. There was something really strange there. And then the other thing that was kind of crazy that happened in the Minnesota-Winnipeg game was Marcus Foligno kneeing Adam Lowry when he was on the ice already. Or is it Dave Lowry? I always forget which one is the coach and which one's the uh, the player because the dad coaches. Yeah, so Adam Lowry is the player. Dave Lowry is the coach, the former NHLer. Uh, he, Mike Marcus Lowry. Fo- <laughs> Mike Lowry. Good old Martin Lawrence. Um, but he knees him in the head while they're down on the ice. And the funny thing is, if you watch the video of it, it's happening while the Minnesota announcers are talking about how Marcus is one of the better guys in the NHL that when a fight is ending, like when a player is in a vulnerable position, he doesn't take the extra swipe at him. Because, you know, if you're falling over a guy and the linesmen are coming in, the guy on top, you always have that chance to throw one more fist and really wreck a guy. And they're talking about how Marcus Foligno's got this sportsmanship and he's one of the better guys at that. And lo and behold, while they're talking about this, Foligno just throws a knee at Adam Lowry. Like it was the most strangest thing. But there's a lot of feistiness. I think that post-All-Star game, let's get ready for the playoffs vibe is going on. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens because, you know, McDermott's probably not going to play against Tampa Bay. But Perry's a little bit of a pest. Patrick Maroon's a pest. Pierre-Edouard Belmar's no breath of fresh air. Kucherov and all these guys, they like to get rough and tumble with the game too. And then you got some games coming up against Dallas. You got the Vegas Golden Knights. I think what we saw yesterday, the first game out of, or the second day out of the All-Star break, is what we're going to see for the rest of February and March. And it's players saying, let's ramp it up and let's get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, especially coming out of Boston, where right now they sit at the second wild card spot, right? So they have to ramp it up if they really want to make a good run at it here. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, even for the Avalanche, I mean, I know right now they're comfortably the best team in the NHL in terms of points percentage, but you want to make sure you don't even lose that spot, not just to your own division, but to the other division. You need to be the top spot in the West, get the second wild card team, and make sure you have home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next thing we have on the on the docket here was Montreal getting their new, I guess, getting their second coach of the year fired, <laughs> which is interesting to me, right? You don't always see a team go through two coaches in one season. Now they're on their third. Well, it's not one season, but it's within 12 months. They they fired Claude Julien February 24th of last wow, year. Was that last year? Yeah, Jesus. right. They bring in Dominic Ducharme and everybody was like, yeah, this guy's a little. That was the fall. Yeah, no, no, no. That was last year because Dominic Ducharme, even though he didn't have a good regular season record, suddenly got the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup final where they lost Mm, to Tampa Bay. And then he gets a new three-year contract and then the season goes completely off the rails. And now he's gone 350 days later after getting hired, after taking his team to the Stanley Cup final and now being historically bad. Like when I say historically, I mean the 2016-17 Avs won 22 games. The Canadians are on pace for 13. Like, right, it's, it's all it's all back. coming back to me now, right? You totally expected him to get the can after the season, but then they went and overachieved, and here he was saying, you can't fire me now after that. But, of course, yeah, exactly. he was who and we thought he was. He, exactly, yeah. So instead of bringing in Luke Richardson or even Alex Burrows, who's been behind the bench for a while, they went and hired Marty St. Louis, former NHL legend, Hockey Hall of Famer, uh, he played for the New York Rangers when Jeff Gorton, the new vice president of hockey operations over there, when he was part of the Rangers organization. The only thing is, Marty St. Louis, you know, John Tortorella always used to say that he could be a good coach one day, but he doesn't have any experience. He did some like, 
kind of advisory role similar remember when adam foot used to randomly show up to avalanche practices he kind of did something like that with the columbus blue jackets um and then he coached his kids minor peewee teams or whatever and that's pretty much it and now they said hey we're going to bring you to the NHL and you're going to be the head coach of the most storied franchise in the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, we'll give you the rest of the season. As long as shit doesn't hit the fan, maybe we'll talk to you again. Like, it's really strange. It's it's very out of the blue. Uh, it, it would be like the Avalanche tomorrow hiring Milan Hayduk to coach them just because, you know, he's coached, I guess, the Rampage or whatever he's done here in the Colorado area. And that's basically it. Like, he's not done anything in the NHL. It's really strange. And plus, he speaks perfect Coloradan. <laughs> right the motive for Mar- marty st louis he speaks french so that's always speaks, one of their exactly. main motives for hiring a coach over there so yeah i mean it's 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 the number one thing that's important you have to be bilingual and, and marty is and you know patrick was sitting somewhere like god damn it i need to get back in the nhl he's he was looking at the montreal gm job you know he's going to be looking at that coaching job too he's he's know. licking his chops i, to get I back feel in. like if you're getting looked at for the gm job you're not necessarily jumping for the coaching job right because then you're i don't back know patrick back, he's back to where he was here step, where he didn't have the control that he wanted you're taking a step back but right now for patrick he just wants to get back in the nhl i think patrick downplayed exactly what him quitting on the team through a third-party pr company from quebec was going to do to his resume in terms of other teams wanting to hire him i know he's interviewed for some jobs like the ottawa senators when they hired dj smith but i don't think patrick really kind of was able to really understand what doing that was going to do to his reputation around the league um and by the way now that i'm in the media because i wasn't back then to understand what it means that he went through a third-party company where guys like Jean Martineau and Brendan McNicholas had no idea what the fuck was going on and just saw a tweet that Patrick Waugh stepped down from the coaching position of the team that they handle media for. Now I could see why it was such a big thing. I think Brendan and, and Jean Martineau were on a flight when it happened. It was just a whole mess. But like now that I've seen the backstory of how that all went down, like I could see why that was a huge deal and why NHL teams are like, yeah, Patrick, we're going to put you on probation for like a half decade before we even consider you for anything because that's that's a little crazy. Yeah, blackballed, right? Not to mention the stories that came out, I'm sure, amongst GMs of the relationship between Patrick Waugh and Joe Sackick, right? I think that was the big thing that soured and the big reason for the move. Yeah, and and the other thing that doesn't help Waugh's case is the fact that he wanted to trade Tyson Berry because he was a smaller defenseman, and the Avalanche ended up signing him to that four-year, $22 million deal, and that was like the final straw. And I was Joe Sackick, but it wasn't just that he wanted Tyson Berry. I mean, Berry's not here anymore. The Avalanche traded him for Kadri. But it's the fact that he didn't like the idea of a smaller defenseman. But look at what the Avalanche are now. Look at who they got in Kel McCarr and Sam Gerrard and, and, and Bowen Byram, three of the biggest pieces on this team. They're smaller defensemen that are puck-moving, skilled guys that are like next level of what Tyson Berry provided the Avalanche. And the fact that this team is this good and they've excelled into one of the NHL's best and the you know the betting odds favorite to win the Stanley Cup just makes Patrick look even more silly because he stepped down from this. He stepped down and, and tried to challenge Joe Sackick's plan when Joe Sackick's plan was to build what he's built right now. So it just makes him look worse. And it's it's really interesting to 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 see that Patrick has been very vocal when Montreal was hiring their GM on on wanting to get back in the league. And I think he's gonna be, you know, 
kind of bothering them and DMing them on Twitter and Instagram and like, hey, guys. Right. He, just, he won't go just anywhere, right? He's very picky about where he wants to go and, and has a very short list of where he's willing to go. So. Yeah, Denver and Montreal. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Last thing on the docket. Sounds like the rumors have it that Jack Eichel is going to be making his debut one week from today when the Avalanche are in Las Vegas playing the Golden Knights. That should be a fun one. We'll see how he, I guess, jumps right back into the league and even more importantly, how the Avalanche handle a guy like Jack Eichel in that roster. Hey, no, 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 no. We're not talking about the Avalanche right now. We're talking around the NHL. What's more interesting to me is not how the Avalanche handle that. What's more interesting to me is how the hell the Vegas Golden Knights are going to make the cap and the salary work. Yeah, they got some dancing to do. Yeah, they've, there's some cap gymnastics going on here. And if Jack Eichel is going to come into the lineup a week from today, which, by the way, this is not my rumor. This comes from Greg Wyshynski. He was on the Jeff Merrick show, the the classic MVSW uh, reboot. The MVSW Wednesdays, the reboot of the old Merrick versus Wyshynski show. Uh, and he said that rumors have it that, you know, Jack Eichel's first career game with the Vegas Golden Knights will come Wednesday, February 16, when they host the Avalanche, which for the Avs will be on the second of a back-to-back. Like, oof, it's a rough night. But it's the fact that in order for him to come in, like, assuming Alec Martinez is also coming off of LTIR soon, like, um, Evgeny Dadanov is probably going to have to get traded. He's fucked pretty much. Riley Smith, I assume, is going to get traded. Like, they're going to have to trade quite a few guys for Jack Eichel to make his debut. Um, and that's in seven days. So if Jack is really ready to go that soon, number one, I'm here for it. I think it's going to be exciting. That'll be a nice measuring stick game. Granted, Jack hasn't played a lot of hockey, so he'll be rusty. But also because... Hey, man, if you want to make it to the Stanley Cup final, you're going to have to go through the Golden Knights. The Stars had to. The Montreal Canadiens had to. The Avalanche probably will have to as well. So especially considering they beat you a year ago, that's that's going to be a big measuring stick game, too. And you got them twice in February. Yep. Yep. Arif, I, I have to be honest. Once we cross about the 55, maybe 50 minute mark, I find it very hard to start sitting still. My attention span <laughs> no longer is with us. So I guess right here's a great time to wrap up the podcast. Any final JJ sleeping. Thoughts? JJ sleeping. I'm not sleeping. I'm just I'm looking over here. I'm looking I'm thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow morning. I got I got mad ADHD over here. JJ's doing what Sam Gerard does in the press media availabilities. So he's just looking up at the lights, looking everywhere but at the media. Just anywhere you can look but at Arif's face. That's right. what Sam Gerard does. Oh man, you have to live in the now. You got to <laughs> live in the now. <laughs> Uh, last thing I'm going to say is... Um, Thank you, Patrick, for that, by the way. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> last thing I'm going to say is what I've been saying a lot of is like, subscribe, comments, Spotify, iTunes, uh, our Instagram page. Shout out to the follower that sent us a message today Heck saying yeah. that Hockey Mountain High is... You know what? I'm going to take a second to pull up her name because she deserves it. That Hockey Mountain High is by far her favorite Avalanche podcast. Mine too. Um yeah, no kidding. I, you know, the, the the two guys, the three guys that are on that show seem like a lot of fun. So uh, her name is Lisa. Shout out to Lisa. She said that she posted it on her story saying that Hockey Mountain High is hands down my favorite apps podcast. So shout out to Lisa. Um, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us. Five star review on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you can. That goes to you, Lisa, and to everybody else that's listening. So shout out to all of you. We're, we're going to keep them coming here down the stretch. Thank you, Lisa. You're the greatest. And so is every single one of our listeners. So thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us today. This is a long one. We'll be back Friday. We'll give you a little quick snippet just to, 
you know, take us into the weekend because it's a busy weekend. Avs play Sunday on Super Bowl Day, play nice and early. So we'll try to get another one in on Sunday. So once again, thanks to everybody for listening to us blabber about hockey for an hour. Um, let's wrap it up. Of course, the way we always do, Arif, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we out you.